0: It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air.
1: With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mengrum, and Matt Bain.
0: We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. I am your host, Kyle. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. What's the finger pointing for? I'm excited to be be talking hockey.
1: He's pumped up tonight. Patrick Marlowe. (sighs) it has got me all excited.
0: I thought you was excited for the drink you had. He's got
2: a backwards hat on. It's a fun day. He's got San Jose on. He's
1: representing
0: tonight. Is it really a fun day, though? Because, man... Patrick Marleau broke one of Gordy Howe's records. This is really fun for you.
1: Yes, honestly, this is the big news of the week. It is bittersweet, but like we said, it, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. During the uh, post-game interview on the bench, there, he he shed a literal tear on the bench as he was uh, describing how much <clears throat> how much he just loved the game of hockey, and I just can't believe that after 24 years, to see a guy that is still this uh, into the sport, he still loves it. It's still his life, and I could see how over time that would get boring or old, but it has such a vibrance in it. It's a man that has a passion for the game, and that's just exciting to see.
0: So here's a fun stat for you, Matt, regarding all that. There were 863 skaters have played in the NHL this season. Among them, 163 were not born when Patrick Marleau did. <laughs> that's dip, crazy. When he showed up in October 1st, 1997. That's almost 20% of the league.
1: Yeah, that's, that's insane. That's the guy who's been around for a long time.
2: Yeah, it's one of those things. And we were kind of talking about it before we started recording how it, it's one thing to, to play like 23 seasons and whatnot, but it's also another thing to not be injured and also like preparing your body, like all the preparation that goes into that, the training, the, the health aspects as far as like what you're eating and dieting to be able to stay in that physical shape for as long as he has and then not miss hardly any games. I mean, it's, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, can you imagine putting up 1,700-plus games of hockey, like a very physical sport we're talking about? Like, you're taking pucks, you're taking checks, like body hits constantly. And he was able to absorb all that, somehow recover faster than most people. Uh, his training regimen has been fantastic. He's been one of the premier players in the league for so long. I mean, like, absolutely clutch, In in the playoffs too for there for a while. I mean he he is Mr. San Jose Shark. Uh, I mean
1: speaking of which, I'm just glad that he was able to come back to San Jose and and likely finish his career out here. That's uh, that's the way to go for sure. The only thing I don't like is I don't believe San Jose has played a home game yet since he broke the record. It's been two away teams. So I think maybe if they play tonight or tomorrow would be their first home game. I'm very excited to watch the the in arena broadcast and the video appreciation of what they do for him once he gets back home.
2: Yeah, because even even the Wild and the Vegas Golden Knights had two great great tributes to him. Um, you could even tell the other opposing teams. Like I, I mean, literally the Wild shook his hand. Like it was almost like a playoff game,
1: yeah. you know, end yeah.
2: end of a series, but just for him.
1: Yeah, that was. That was I the, mean, like
2: once again, this is one of those things that we're spending a few minutes talking about it, but it, you don't see this very often. I mean, like this, this is literally has only happened <laughs> like like the last time this happened. It was Gordy Howe like that, that. Yeah, that's, that's putting it in perspective. Like this is a record that is not easily broken, not easily attainable. Um, the fact that we're seeing it right now is very, it's awesome for me because it's, it's nice to see like a longstanding standing record actually toppled by a current player who also happens just be like basically well loved and well received honestly like even his son was talking about he's like my dad would be the first in line right now to shake his hand that was a uh, Gordie Howe's son so
1: yeah i think that's what makes it so sweet for everybody the entire hockey community seems to love him because of what he's done for the game and it's, it's, he's not a controversial player. It's not like Marchand breaking the record. It's, this is a guy that everybody likes. So everybody pretty much as a whole is really giving this guy some high fives.
0: Everybody like that. And it's amazing when you look back and when you think about the most games played in the NHL, you're always going to have Gordy Howe and Patrick Marleau put together on that. Because after the game ended in Las Vegas last night, they immediately took his jersey and shipped it off to the Hall of Fame.
1: Really? Yeah. They said they immediately switched his jersey out. Oh, I didn't know that. I was gonna say it wouldn't surprise me if they if they hung his freaking jersey up before he's even done playing. He's he's that Oh important. yeah. I mean he's he's in. I didn't like, know that. That's that's really cool.
2: Well, yeah, they got, they're gonna put it in the hall yeah. with Gordy oh, to replace it. I tell that, you, yeah. I don't
1: have as much social media anymore, so I don't get these little hockey tidbits quite as much as I used to. So occasionally yeah. you guys will will uh spin one on me that I haven't heard yet, so it's really nice to get a genuine yeah. reaction out it, of it.
2: It, you're literally looking at a living legend. I oh, mean, yeah. first, first round Hall of Famer.
1: No and, doubt, bro. He is, he's uh, going to be the freaking class. He, he, he's, he
2: is uh, unanimously well-liked, as we said. And the fact that it's happening to him over everyone, like, like Matt was saying, it's just been so well-received around the league and couldn't have been for a better guy, honestly, in my opinion.
0: And if they were talking about putting other records into the Hockey Hall of Fame, oh. I really think the Buffalo Sabers might be up to contention for one of the worst playoff teams ever.
2: I mean, you mean just play? You mean team in general? Because yeah. like, let me tell you, there was a there was a good losing streak that was going on here. Um, it was what like fifteen? Uh, it might even, it, Yeah. Who knows? You know, I started losing track, but it was bad. I'll, I'll just put it like that. And that was funny because. You know, at the beginning of the year, we were kind of talking, you know, they got Taylor Hall. They're like, oh, it's the Hall and Eichel line. Like, oh, we're going to make the playoffs. Well, guess what? They have actually extended their streak of not making the playoffs, Kyle. So what are they now at?
0: They are now not making the playoffs for the 10th time. 10 straight years. Yes, it's crazy. 10 seasons that you have not made the playoffs. And you keep thinking about, for example, like the Preds have their struggles, other teams have their struggles, Detroit's having their struggles now. But this is a team that, consistently for a decade now, just cannot seem to get it together. They are always in a continuous rebuild.
2: I know, and like I said, they had such high hopes this season, and, and yeah, they had high, Jack Eichel, Eichel's hurt for the Eichel rest of the year. Is completely gone for the rest of the year. They had Hall. Guess what? He only lasted half a season. He's gone. Boston picks him up, and he's already been producing in Boston a little bit but at the same time too like they even said like Hall looked bad too they they said it's almost like a almost like a rejuvenation project for them because they he said like literally he is so um out of rhythm and not confident in his game and i'm like does that just tell you how bad buffalo's system is and the coaching and everything that you take a player like Taylor Hall like incredible player i mean like literally posing up like what 90.1 that one season he was he it, was a number uh, one overall pick, I believe. I, I know, mind but you. Like you you come in and you take a player and you literally sap the life
1: out of him. I I mean not kidding. He took, was, uh, they
2: called him a rejuvenation pro like basically like he had no confidence. They said that when he got to Boston.
1: He was what was it? Was he in New Jersey when he was MVP of the year and then you go to Buffalo? Yeah. And especially I think this is the fifth team he's been on in eleven years. I mean, talk about a guy who can't get his mojo going. I mean, he, he at least did something in, in Jersey. But hopefully now he's going to actual uh, playoff team in Boston. Yeah. And I would just like to say look out Connor McDavid because this is the the trajectory that Taylor Hall is on. It took him five teams to get anywhere that didn't suck. And Connor McDavid is going to be the same way. He's going to waste half of his career probably playing on garbage teams until he finally gets to go. And so just look out, look over the horizon because this is your buddy. They both played in, in uh, Edmonton together. So if you're not careful, I know the money's good, but uh, you need to look to greener pastures. And so I'm at least thankful that Taylor Hall can at least play for a team and a franchise that can appreciate him and, and maybe take him somewhere.
2: You know what's crazy, though, is I was actually looking, and and Edmund is actually third in the division right now in, in the North Division. So they are technically in the playoffs, um, and they, they more than likely will make the play playoffs. But that said, there's so many other teams right now that are just firing on all cylinders. Connor McDavid. Do you guys know how many points he has already this year? He has a lot. I it's know that seventy four. Wow! I just looked at it. I, I went because I, I was like I was just curious. He's he's leading in in points. He has seventy four points. They have only played what forty? They've played forty four games, guys. I, like that said, just backing up what you know, kind of what Matt was saying. It, it's one of those things. Is like, man. Like if this team still never wins, like if the Oilers do not win a cup with him and Drysaddle on there because they can't play defense, which they just can't, or seem to not be able to find the players to be able to do so, it's gonna be so sad. And he's gonna, you're gonna start seeing him trying to like move around some to try to get on a winning team because like that's unreal. I mean, like 40, 44 games played and he has seventy four points, like. If this is a normal season, okay, eighty two, you're looking at a hundred and forty plus point season, like
0: that's insane.
2: Like hold hold the phone, that's that's ridiculous levels. Like that's Mario Lemieux level of points, like in a season. You know, like that's impressive. But once again, that's a little sidebar uh, since Matt brought it up. But uh, man, uh, I mean, he's a runaway
0: right now for for the front running. Well, it's funny if you look at the Oilers, McDavid and Drysaddle basically make up the offense for that team. The next person after Drysaddle is Tyson Berry with 37 points. Like, that is ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it's kind of been the same story for a few years. I'm just, hopefully, it seems to be, uh, actually, a lot of people consider the order of the uh, North Division to be kind of a lock, so most people think that Edmonton actually will make the playoffs and the top three teams are undoubtedly going to stay that way. It's kind of the same way with the Central. We've been throwing this idea around lately that either the Central's really good or really bad because their top three teams are dominating the bottom feeders of the bottom half of the division. So it'll be interesting to see us play somebody outside of our own division, really.
2: Carolina, Florida, and Tampa are third, fourth, and fifth in the league. Yeah, yeah. And it's that's, unreal. Yeah, it's We've unreal. We've been
1: saying that for it's been that way for a, at least a month now. So,
2: but the same could be said for Vegas and Colorado. They're they're number one and number two, and they're in the same division. <laughs> so, are are they bottom feeding off of LA and Anaheim?
1: Yeah, y- I would like of, to it,
2: see it. it, it that's why this year is going to be very interesting playoff-wise. I think the brackets are going to be really busted this year because you're going to see the top 2 teams in each division that have might been picking on, you know, the the bottom feeders a little bit more. Like, okay, so like Toronto is really hot. Obviously, well, they have Ottawa in they're <laughs> like Ottawa and Vancouver has not been good. You, you see what I mean? So there's like I would each like team to see has
1: like a couple I'd like to see the uh, the bracket, the way they line up the playoffs this year because they have this new you know division. So how I'd like to know what does the Central face off? Does do they have one round against each other or do they go directly somewhere else? The last time
0: I read, it's going to be the first two rounds yes. are Cloud- yeah. in our division. And then once it's all cleared up and you're down to the final eight teams, then they're going to come together into one location and we're going to have a repeat of what happened last year. See,
2: and that kind of is like, it almost takes a little bit of the fun out of it for me just because you've been fighting these teams all year. Like you've fought them eight times each. You know know what I mean? So you're about to fight them again in a playoff series and then you're going to fight another team that you fought eight times again. in the Like that's for me, it's a little like that just diminishes the first two rounds a little bit. Um, if that's the format that, you know, they are going to go with. But that said, um, I, who knows? I, I mean, it's, it's just been crazy this year. So,
1: But that being said, we have seen an increase in fighting this year because of that interdivisional uh, rivalries continuing, and there's bad blood that's building up over more games than, than as usual. So that could actually bring some real juice and heat into the playoffs as well.
0: You know, you're talking the penalties, for example, the Preds, Currently, lead the league first in penalty minutes 451, but they are fourth overall in penalties 179. So, we've been taking a lot of majors, Is that changed?
2: Like a lot of 10 minute misconduct. Yes. Olivier, we're not, we're, we're looking at you.
0: Well, hey, even Hines got assessed a penalty. So, <laughs>
2: hey, you know what? I'm all for it because I actually saw a little bit of fire that night from him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's been pretty straight laced. And like the fact that he got out there and started firing it up and we're like we're in the middle of like a good stretch here, like it meant something to the team too. You know what I mean? I think
1: that that shows that the coach has some skin in the game and it's it I think that's part of the meshing process of he's kind of got the boys back and they might start sticking with him a little bit. You know, he stuck his neck out there for us. I think that's part of the melding process and and I think exactly what you said. As a fan perspective, that meant it, it seemed to it mean a lot to the fans and probably the players as well. That's what we wanted to see a little bit of fire, a little something gel in here, a little bit of a grittiness coming back to the team.
2: Yeah. So let's move on to the Preds. And speaking of them, boys, like, w- were we expecting this run? That is happening right now. Like, seriously, no, like, I, nobody I mean, was. like ser- Yeah, Matt's over here shaking his head. Yeah. yeah you didn't yeah. hear me call
1: that a couple yeah. weeks ago?
2: <laughs> no, no, you didn't call the run. <laughs> but, I don't think anybody
0: could have called that run. Uh,
2: yeah. I, I mean, honestly, the fact that we're even in the position that we are right now.
1: So, okay? what, what was the run? I think it was like a. L- at the well stats right now it. it's thirteen out of
2: seventeen or or something like that, yeah it was uh, we, thirteen out of seventeen, but at one point before we hit Carolina, we had won like it was twelve of fourteen or twelve of fifteen, yeah, and th- th- just for some perspective that's pers- like that's
0: ridiculous, okay, like, and don't forget at least one of those was a good seven whooping on Detroit,
1: yeah oh, we had two seven yeah, so games. <laughs> my stat says uh before that eleven and one run, they were eleven and sixteen, so Yeah, that's that's, a complete flip of script there.
0: But look at the games they've got. So we just got off the Carolina series. We're now in Chicago. These are and so far we've always this season have beat Chicago.
2: I know, but these are like super crucial. Like you got to win these next two. Like you do. I mean, the standings are so close right now for that. That's the funny part is even with the run, there is still it's like a 50-50 shot for them to make the playoffs. You know what I mean? And, like, that's crazy because they were down to, like, a 4% chance or lower at one point, like, to make the playoffs. I mean, it was abysmal. The fact that we're even in the running right now to make the playoffs is is truly a miracle, and we'll dive into some of the reasons why in the next couple minutes. But, I I mean, some of these games have been kind of mind-boggling.
0: And I mean, let's look at the central standings real quick before we get into the actual preds. You got Carolina, Florida, and Tampa Bay, top three. We know it's a lock. We're not touching them. Then you got positions four, five, and six, which is Nashville, Dallas, and Chicago. And then you got seven and eight, which is Detroit and Columbus. You know they're not making it. And so now these next game, couple of games, you know, like you said, is basically fighting for that fourth spot.
2: Yeah. Oh, here's the deal. Look, look at this. Detroit's seventh now. They're not last in the division, and they've been playing well the last several games. Like. Don't sleep on Detroit. And we got and a good trade the other day. Here, here's the deal like Dallas actually has to face Detroit like three more times this week. And I wouldn't be surprised if they pull up the upset or once or twice, which would be huge for us and needed. But that said, like, Detroit's been very stingy right right now with the goals. So um the last the last five to six games they've been looking much better. So that said, it only kind of plays into the pred's favor that, you know, Stars have them three or four times. And then after that, the Stars have to face, like, uh, I believe it's Carolina and then Florida in like four games. So it's like, it's one of those things that their schedule does not get any easier either.
1: I'm surprised that Dallas is still in the runnings considering I think it's Bishop's out all year. I think Radulov as well. And they were the ones that at the beginning of the year were, were stricken with all the COVID issues. So I think they're having to make up some of their old games. But what's an interesting note here is if you switch to, if some of these games, I know the league just extended uh, the deadline for games an extra two or three days or something so so the teams could make up a little bit more, have extra time. So if it happens to go to a situation where they go to points percentage, Dallas is actually in fourth spot and they bump Nashville out of the playoffs if that were to happen.
2: Yeah, but it's not going to go to that. The, 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 the you don't know, been, though. The league's been very adamant, though. The fact that they're already extending the season Well, it it wasn't
1: a gratuitous extension. It was just a little bit, which makes me still a little hesitant. But, you know, I don't know. We'll see. I think some other team has got some major COVID issues. One of the teams up north right now that they're not even being able to play, so... It was Vancouver. Vancouver. Vancouver.
0: They're just now getting over it.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, they're just now, I think, like maybe in a day or two starting games. But here's the deal. So Dallas, look at their remaining schedule. Wings, wings, wings. So three... I love wings. All-you-can-eat, baby. Um... So, it's uh, three games back-to-back against a team that has been playing much better. Then they have the Hurricanes, two times. They have the Lightning, the Predators. That's going to be a game circle, because literally, that could mean the season. Uh, then you have the Panthers, Lightning, Lightning. <laughs> it's a tough schedule. And then, Blackhawks, finally. The last two, of the, those are the two I'm like, okay, we can just give them maybe those at that point, but that's a tough remaining schedule for for Dallas. So, once again, it's a 50-50 shot. They're currently
1: on the hot streak, though. Out of everybody in the Central, they have a three-game win streak, and nobody else has that. So, they could be peaking at the right time, possibly, but, like you said, that's an uphill battle, for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is definitely, once again, a 50-50 shot, but the fact that the Preds are even in this conversation at this point... uh, I mean, it's it's truly been crazy considering the injuries. I mean, we still have been without Tolvanen. We were without Forsberg. We finally got Duchene back, which hey, good sign. He scores in his second game back,
1: That's so good. he's
2: looking, you know, like he's recovered well from the injury. Um, we have not. Okay, fun fact: we have not scored a power play goal since Tolvanen has gone out on injured reserve. Well, it speaks to what he brings to this team. Because that unit, because remember, Forsberg got injured before Tolvanen, and the unit still was producing a little, it suffered, you know, a little bit, but they were still producing goals with Tolvanen in. The fact that literally Tolvanen leaves and we have not had a power play goal is crazy obvious how much he meant to our power play. And like the fact that we've been able to win 13 out of the last 17 games with Forsberg and Tolvenin on the sideline. Are you kidding me? I, I like it blows my mind at I this think point.
1: The that doesn't make sense. You know, you got a new coach. I know we were all kind of doom and gloom on him, and especially with the injuries in the roster. But so the piece that's standing out isn't the scoring, it's oh, it's, it's the really defense, baby. It's, it's defense, and it's UC Soros who's been yes. playing lights out. Yeah. He's been playing. Uh, let's see. I got a couple stats on. Oh, him I here. got some
2: stats too. Let's so see. Let's go. A,
1: out of this part, he had 13 games with 11 wins, and his a save percentage was nine six one. Yep. And his uh, expected goals against he halved what the expected goal was against him. Okay.
2: So I have the new updated. So the last 17 games, he's only had 26 goals against his overall save percentage has been a point nine five two in yeah. the last 17 games. His 5-on-5 five five save percentage is a .958. Yeah, at this point... His goals above expected... So goals saved above expected is plus 16.2, and he's had 13 wins.
1: Yeah. At this point, these stats are getting fairly extended. It's just not just a one-week streak no. we've got on here. 17 games. Which kind of goes... It really... as the last week or so, I've been kind of questioning in my mind. Really, what kind of percentage? Uh, how important is the goalie to the overall win? I am trying to number like the goalie what is percentage quite important. Is I would think. I mean, you can do it without them, but if your goalie's on, like, it's, it's at least half. Like, I don't know. It's it's a the goalie can make or break you in a in a massive way.
2: That, well, the, here's the, to back up your point. We've been getting zero power play goals and and only getting five-on-five on five goals. Literally only five-on-five on five goals, and we've been winning 13 out of the 17 games because our defense has been that much better. Soros has been incredible. He's tracking everything well. Also, too, it looks like finally everyone has bought into the system because they're playing solid defense, and then it's generating offense. I don't know if you've noticed this, but how many two-on-ones have we had the last several weeks? We've had quite a few. Just go back to the Lightning game alone. I don't know how many two-on-ones happened. And that last lightning it it kind of blew my mind that they're actually staying back and buying into the system finally. At, uh, let's take the goal from the other night. A big defensive block by Eckholm. He's playing solid defense up at the line. He blocks it, it goes to Johansson, and then guess what? Eckholm is streaking on a fast break on the other way. We've had more of those. Arvidsson's had several fast breaks, finally. It looks like he's finally now getting his mojo back. Um, he's taking more shots, too. So that said, it looks like they have finally bought into this system that Heinz has, and that coupled with Soros just being absolutely fantastic. I mean, you you can't, as Matt said, 17 games, that's a very long period of time to extend a .95 or a 0.96 save percentage. I mean, that that's like Vesna trophy levels. if he If he had sustained that the entire year. Like he, he's possibly winning a Vesna. Yeah,
1: I think honestly, if if the Preds make the playoffs, you would be kind of hard pressed to pick Rene in the crease over Soros because you know that's always a tough question. Okay, Rene's your, he's your franchise guy. He's the guy you go in crease with in the playoffs, but that's, Soros is the hot hand. I think. I think what I'm saying is this year is probably the tipping point where I say, all right, we're going to start Soros. Well, I'd
2: even say that Rene would tell you to start Soros. No, he understands that too, and I, I think even. They've even had some interviews with him about like him going somewhere. Like he hasn't started a game in a long time. And that's been because Soros has been so hot. Is he arguing the fact that he's not? No, because guess what? The team's winning. I mean, if you win thirteen out of seventeen, that's a hot streak. Okay. Like, especially in the NHL. That's a very hot streak. And these numbers back it up. He is following the puck
0: extremely well. But with the team doing as well as they are. Matt, you said you were talking about the playoffs and the Preds. Do you think the team can actually make the playoffs? And if they can, can, do you think they can actually get past the first round? Because this the trade is, deadline yes. came and David Poole really didn't do anything. He got one, defensive, one defenseman from Ottawa and that was it.
1: Well, well let's... <clears throat> yeah, that's a lot to unpack. Yeah, um, yeah, let's talk about... Um, this we'll start you. with the trade deadline <laughs> stuff. So I think it was Jeremy Gover had a poll on Twitter that said, all right, Preds fans, what do you think uh, GMDP should do? And I believe it was 52% of the fans said that they should stay Pat. And so I would like to kind of discuss, so they got Eric Gabranson. That is a buy. He is a relatively good defenseman who's been shipped around the league a lot, so he's kind of a value bargain. Uh, Most people interpreted that as a slightly buy Uh, move. So it wasn't really standstill. It was kind of shore up some of the weak links. Maybe if you get an injury, I would interpret that. I think it's more of a depth thing, but yeah. Yeah. And and to me, that kind of showed me, okay, I was getting scared initially before the deadline was over. I was thinking, okay, you just got a defenseman. Does that mean you're about to let Ekholm go? That's what we were kind of scared of. I don't know how to interpret this move as the day was still going on. But after the deadline, Boyle kind of said, we're not letting Ekholm go. He said, we're going to discuss next year about a contract uh, extension, but I'm not trading. Oh, him. he
2: looks great too. Yeah. Like Ekholm's been phenomenal since returning from injury. And that said, I've almost put this one as a stay pat. Like this this year was a stay pat for me. Like that addition is not really much yeah, in my it's mind. You, it, just, it, just, it, it's a depth position thing. Like if there is an injury, well, we have another guy. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, that that's kind of how I, I read into that one. Um, that said, we didn't deal anyone major. Like, it was one of those things he even said he wants to re sign Granlin at the end of the year, which, by the way, yeah. Granlin's low key looking really good. He had a couple more assists the other night. He is dishing some sweet passes right now. The more he plays center, the better he looks.
1: Well, uh, I like I'm just wonder- going to argue
2: that because him and Yarncroc have found something. And Yarncroc's leading the, the, the team right now in goals, by the way, like 12. Are you, you talk about bargain bargain players. Wow. He is leading the team right now. Granted, Forsberg's been injured. Okay. So, like, yes, Forsberg probably would have that spot had he not been injured. But he's got 12 goals
1: this year. Oh, that's awesome.
2: Uh, that's pretty impressive for, you know, uh, this compressed season. Uh, I mean, and for the cost that Yarncroft is putting up. I mean, like, you can't argue. He's only getting paid $2 million. Wow. So... Uh, he's our Swiss army knife, as we always say, like he always, like we always can plug him in anywhere and he's been doing really well with Grandland. Him and Grandland really have seemed to click uh, the last several games on the streak, but it's all these players that like, it's, it, like Tanner, uh Janot, first of all, it comes up, he gets slotted in because I believe it was Olivier was out again with another injury. Um, that said though, Boy, he is, looks strong. He's like 6'6, six, 2'8. Six, uh, I yeah. mean, he he's a big dude, and he he's can been throw crushing around. people. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Like, I mean, like, there was one game, I, I can't remember what. He literally just took the person and just threw him, and it was just like a rag doll. And, and that said, like, that bottom line, too, I was loving on them the last time because I was like, they've been super gritty and they've been super physical and checking, and they've been doing that, too, a lot to these teams, and it's been wearing them down. And you're starting to see, like, a nice system where like, hey, that's our bruising line. They check, they forecheck hard and they're getting rewarded for it too. They're, they're not just bruisers though. They're actually fast and can finish on the puck because you have Trennan and know um, on the other side with uh, Olivier and, you know, uh, it, it, it's just been very fun to watch, honestly, like that bottom line form. Um, but there's just been so many factors of people like stepping up too during this stretch. Luke Cunnan's been really hot. Like, I don't know. It's just been crazy to watch.
1: Your face lit up. Well, I'm just thinking, you know, all these players are stepping up and they're hot, but that makes it kind of tough when these good players, quote unquote, come back in the roster. What are you going to do? Sit the guy who's hot? Like, I don't know. It's kind of tough.
2: For the defensemen, no, we need them back. Because like, first of all, we're playing like, I don't even, like these defensemen, we've been throwing in there. It's like Davies and Harper. Like, it's one of those things. Like, as soon as Ekholm came back, there was a noticeable difference. Ellis came back, Noticeable difference in our defense. Well, so like getting Favro back would be really nice. You know what I mean. Really sure up the defensive core. Um, Duchesne coming back, he's actually been producing. That's one thing. Uh, But I mean,
0: Forsberg and Tolman are definitely coming back in. Let Let's let's be honest. Like okay, like they're coming back in. Overall, though, do you think this team, like I said, is going to make it past the first round? And if they do, two part question: If they do is this a repeat of 2017 now legendary run? We did all the way to the final. Oh, or Matt gets to go on record officially this time. Or if we lose, is this an indication that GMDP was thinking too much with his heart rather than his mind? Ooh. Well, okay. Two part question.
1: First go of ahead. all, I'd like to say that being a standstill slight buyer at the deadline was a risky play. Uh, This is going to be a telling season, of course. It's always the case. But I think they'll probably get in the wild card spot in the division. They're definitely not making it out of the first round because you guys get destroyed by the top three teams in your division. So there's just no way. I do
2: want to debate this a little bit, though. Because actually the last several games against those people, so the first half of the season we were terrible. We'd only had like one or two wins. But so I started looking at like, Okay, so Carolina, last game we can't beat Carolina. We haven't won against Carolina one time I think you're since twenty seventeen, yeah. since twenty seventeen, and they were terrible in twenty seventeen. So let me tell you, we just can't beat Carolina. It's just that's the one team we can't beat. It's like the Blackhawks against us this year. Don't understand it. Yeah, just don't what, get it.
1: They're the number one seed, so that's likely who you're exactly. facing. Exactly, but
2: I wanted to to talk about Tampa though. So. We were getting hosed the first four games. Then all of a sudden, look what has started happening here recently. Win, loss, win. And then Florida, same way, win and loss. So it's one of those things that the last several games against these teams, we've played much better and are starting to get wins. That said, though, if it's Carolina first round, we're out. Because we cannot beat Carolina. But
1: here's another thing that's said, beat Carolina. okay, you've got maybe two out of the three times you played the, those two teams, you've got to win. So that is comprised in the last two week period. But how much of this two week period has been a fluke? Will the Predators go back to normal and next week, or is this the real deal?
2: Well, you were talking about the Cup run, and you were <laughs> wanting to put it, you were ready to stencil them in and all the way to the Stanley Cup <laughs> final. So I'm, I'm, I'm just saying,
1: s- th- with those players being out, this definitely has the makings where they were gritty. And had freaking Croak taking face-offs against Crosby. This was no, a gritty that team. No, wasn't Yarncroke.
2: It was Sissons.
1: Whatever. Sissons. <laughs> this has Colin the same Blackwell. Makings. Do you
2: remember Colin Blackwell? <laughs> yeah. And uh, what was it? Freddie Goudreau. We had all those yeah. uh, black aces just come out of nowhere for that cup run. I, I'm just saying. It's one of those things that I'm not calling another cup run. Because first of all, right now, it's Carolina first round. It's Carolina. We can't beat yeah. Carolina. Like, it, if it's Tampa... If it's Florida, I'm liking her chances way better. Like literally, I'm not like I would almost pick the preds right now over Tampa in the first round. Right now. Right now. But guess what? Carolina's leading the division. They have a game in hand. Reality so, sets yeah, in. Yeah, reality yeah. sets in. And more than likely, if it's Carolina.
0: Does the Tampa situation have anything to do with the fact that Sam Coase is injured again? Dude, <laughs> long-term <laughs>
2: injured reserve for life for this man. Yeah. It's, is it playoff time? Yeah, that it's counter, warming up. Yep. yeah uh, counter-clicks over, he magically has a fall or something, like, it blows my mind. Like, the last three seasons, I think it's been the last three seasons, he's been on long-term injury reserve for the playoffs.
1: Yeah, He'd be a freaking Ovechkin status if he could stay healthy. Yeah,
2: it, it's just unbelievable. That said, though, it, it, here's the deal. They have 63 points, 63 points, and 62 points. So whoever comes out with that on the... It might be Tampa. It might be Florida. But I'm liking my odds against Florida and Tampa way better than, than Carolina. For some reason, Carolina is just that team that we can't beat. We just can't beat them. It's their system, whatever it is. They're fast move. I, I don't get it. Peter Mrazic destroys us every time. Like... He's terrible against literally every other team except the Preds.
1: He owns the Preds. He leads the league in goals against average right now, though.
2: Yeah, but how many games has he played?
1: Uh, I'm just saying. How many games has he played? But to your point about... How many games has he played? I don't know.
2: Oh, come on. You can't throw one stat at me and then not back it up. He's on the leaderboard, baby. (laughs) He's on the leaderboard. I'm going to look it up. Go ahead.
1: But uh, if we play Carolina first round, first round exit, I say that's fine. You shouldn't expect more than that. Even making the playoffs... Compared to the conversation we were having a month or two months ago about firing the team and selling all your assets, selling at home, firing the coach. And now you're talking about you're in a playoff spot. I mean, be freaking happy that you're going to get a wild card seed.
2: Peter Morazic has five wins this season. Oh, that's it. (laughs) Okay. Well, he's. he's They're probably all against Nashville. Don't worry. (laughs) I mean, like, literally four of those have to be against Nashville, and probably three of them are shutouts. So, yeah. No, he's leading the league. I'm not going to argue that, but he's only had five wins. So, scoreboard. Scoreboard. Well, I mean, Soros is at what? 0.928 with 16 wins. So,
0: but do you think there will be any blowback if, say, we get the Carolina? Okay, Carolina expected loss. Tampa and Florida, we might make it. But say we don't get out of the first round. Does GMTP have any blowback for not? Do anything with this team instead following his heart.
1: No, I no,
2: because literally that poll, like fifty percent of people wanted to stay Pat regardless. Yeah. So those are like, the same people if you asked him two weeks ago, they would set the cell. I know that that's the thing. Like if I don't want to hear people complaining after the fact that if we get seated against Carolina and lose four straight games, because it's possible, okay, one hundred percent possible that you're gonna lose four straight games against Carolina to start. Okay. Do
1: not want to hear any complaining. Yeah, I think <clears throat> GMDP was in was in a tough spot because we really didn't know what the team was going to do. So I felt like if you made a drastic decision one way or the other, it would have been too risky exactly. because it's a fifty fifty shot either way. So kind of doing nothing is really the play.
2: Yeah, well, doing nothing and then getting in, people back from injury, yeah. like that—that's the argument. But that said, too, like, I, like. I don't uh, want to hear the complaints later on. I just don't. Like, I know it's going to happen. There's going to be people on Twitter, like, raging. Like, oh, we should have sold everybody. And it's like, like what are you supposed to do at this point? Like, I'm
1: curious, uh, uh, next year. So, if it's, assuming the Preds make the playoffs, I'm going to assume that that squashes the fire John Hines conversation.
2: Yeah. and, and Well, here's the deal. Uh, and I was trying to put this in perspective, actually, the other day. So... First of all, right now there's still a 50-50 chance basically that the Preds make the playoffs. The fact that we're even at 50 is a miracle with this run. That said though, last year, did we truly make the playoffs? I want you to think about this for a second. Did we truly make the playoffs? I don't think we did. Exactly, because we were in the buy-in extra round against Arizona. I'm just throwing that out there food for thought. Personally, I felt like last year we were not good enough to be in the playoffs, but because of the extra rules where they had the extra buy-in game, we were able to be extended into a game or that five game series against against the, the, the Coyotes. So that said, this year, if they actually make the playoffs, like truly just make the playoffs, would it technically be an upgrade from last year. Because yeah. remember we were on that whole curve. Remember we were like no playoffs. Yeah. We had first round, second round, uh conference final, then we make we make all, you know, we make all the way to the Stanley Cup and then it was kind of like we were coming back down on the other down. thing with Lavi and then we get to the first round. We have another first round exit with Lavi with against the Jets, you know, everything's going by. They fire Lavi finally and then technically, as I said, we I really don't think we got in the playoffs. Like that's just how I feel about it. Like last year, like you got you got in because there was extra rules and there's extra stipulations. Last year, this year, if they actually somehow manage to miraculously come back from like the three and four percent chance that they had to get into the playoffs and they make the playoffs,
1: you got to chalk that up as a major win for this team. Kind of what Nashville has going for them right now is they have no expectation because what the way they started out the year was a totally different story. So it, it, you mentioned the playoff uh, Stanley Cup runs. There was an expectation, oh, we made the we made this conference finals. Okay, now we made the uh, Stanley Cup finals. There was an expectation that we have to keep meeting that mark every year. And as the Preds kept going down, this year, since you had a bad start, you kind of assumed you weren't making the playoffs. So it's almost like you're playing with house money. There is no pressure. There is no expectation. There's nobody... Ah, uh, pound down GM's door, uh, wanting him to make a move so we can make the playoffs to try to retain some type of status. That status, I feel like is is not hovering over the team right now. They have that same tenacity of of there is no expectation, kind of like what Vegas had when they uh, when they came into the league, they had a team of uh, nobody wants them. There was no expectation. They kind of formed what could be out of it, and they just made the best of what it was. So this year, Nashville's doing the same. Crappy start of the year. They're making the best of what they can out of it, and if they if they make it the playoffs, then they, then that's great.
2: Yeah, we were in the Stanley Cup qualifying round. Remember that that that's what I was trying to point out. It's like I, I I feel like this would be an upgrade if we just made the first round. Like I mean, like seriously, like I like you cannot ask more for this team. This would be the first technically full season of Hines. You are seeing the. Tr- the trend upward. You're also seeing a lot of new young talent actually getting played and getting good ice time and actually producing. I.e., Tolvanen. You know, like we still have Pitlick, who's subbed in a couple times, who's looked good. Uh, guess what? Tomasino still hasn't played. Ooh, like. Do you see what I mean? Like you have to be very optimistic after this run with a lot of your key players out. And then a lot of your youth stepping in. Yeah,
1: The problem is this looks so good that I almost have unrealistic expectations. I, I think this two-week period is, is troublesome because as a spectator, you're like, oh my God, we had this such a good run. We're going to keep this momentum going forward. We're going to make the playoffs. But what if this two-week period is just a fluke? What if the Preds go back to normal? And now everybody's expecting to have a freaking miracle every, every game. And it's, it, you can, just cannot keep this up.
0: Well, let me present to you guys in another scenario playoffs come we get in we win and theoretically we could could win the cup scenario one scenario two that's a that's a big scenario you never, you never know you never know scenario two we get in we get beat we're done for the season that's okay your eyes now turn to the 2021 seattle expansion draft and with mm. GMTP, oh, I've already stated mine. I've already stated Not doing ahead. anything, he now has to figure out what players are going to be protected and who is actually going to be not exempt. So, for example, you have our beloved captain, Roman Yossi, who has no movement clause. So, he's not going nowhere. UCS Herros has pretty much got your neck covered. So, you know, he's not going anywhere. And, you know, poyle has been real big about Ryan Ellis and Dante Fabro, So you know that more likely they're not going to go anywhere. And then you've got big names like Philip Forsberg, Victor Arvidsson, Tolvanen's doing well. There's a whole lot of names out there I've left out.
2: Well, Tolvanen could... is exempt and yeah. Tomasino is exempt. So there are, we are getting lucky as far as that's concerned. Um, but that said, It leaves you with some tantalizing positions, and this is where I threw out, I think it was one or two episodes ago, the fact that they could leave Ryan Johansson and also Matt Duchesne completely unprotected, thus leaving two apples dangling there at, uh, I believe, eight million each long term. I'm just saying I have a feeling that is going to be what's happening. Yeah,
1: I've I've been saying that. Especially
2: the fact that he came back on the radio and said, oh, we're not losing Ekholm. That means he's going to get protected. He's going to re-sign him, protect him, and then he's going to ship out a center.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm in the same wavelength. I want them both gone personally, and especially leaving them available for the expansion draft or leaving them exposed is a convenient way to let that happen. But the problem you're going to run into is the budget of, of Seattle and, and what they have as far as availability. I was reading an article, I think it was uh, maybe from Adam Vindigan, who said that they're going to be shooting for like a 3 or $4 million player, this would be who they'd like to pick up. Because if you have a guy that's worth $8 million, it, it might be too top heavy for for a, for a fledgling team to pick up. But uh, that would be...
2: But once again, that makes it super convenient for him because then he could protect more players that he wants.
1: Yeah. And oh, then leaves a, the,
2: te, the two $8 million, And then, hey, if you take one, you take one. But if yeah. not, guess what? We still get to keep them. Yeah. And then on top of it, guess what? If I lose one, if I lose uh, Matt Duchesne or, or Ryan Johansson, guess what? Oh, I got a Tomasino ready to to take his place. Yeah. He's 19 years old. He's going to have way more ice time. Oh, he's going to be barely, like, I mean, we're paying him nothing at this point. Yeah.
1: But Slot I, I, yeah, right I agree with you. That's, that's definitely who I'm leaving unprotected. No doubt. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's, that's too good of an option to do, to do that. Like you said, it gives them the option to pick it if it wants, but if it's too expensive, guess what? We get to keep them. If you, we lose one, hey, we have great talent coming yeah. up in the and, center
1: position.
0: And, that's and even We're if you're not happy center. with
1: that, you can still deal him next year if you want, you know, that bad. You can find a trade or whatever.
0: Well, Matt, in that same article um, by Adam, the Kraken GM, uh, Ron Francis, said that when it comes to taking players that may have a high dollar value, he said it's going to be a situation by situation and it's going to depend on the player. So what if he wants Matt Duchesne? Yeah, that's very take true. Take him. Like I said,
2: take him. It frees up $8 million in cap space for us and then we can flip in. I, that's the thing. David Poyle is going to lean towards his defensive side. He's going to be like, okay, I'm going to protect most of my defensemen. But what are we really, really deep in right now that we have a ton of and a lot of money? Centers guess what? We also have young prospects that are protected immediately, yeah, that yeah. are centers. Pitlick. Um, you have Tomasino, who is showing great, great strides. So, that that said, I, I, I think that's the route they take. He's 19. I mean, come on. I, I, I mean, like, this is ridiculous now. 19? He's well, on our taxi squad.
0: I like to wonder maybe if GMDP is maybe having some buyers or more, because we knew for years how Matt Duchesne and GMDP kind of courted each other as making that perfect match. And then we get here and it's kind of the well, was it really a perfect match? Well, yeah. is it a perfect match? Well, I, I honestly,
2: um, the stats back up that Matt Duchesne has been one of the most unlucky shooters of the year because when he was in and healthy, he was up there as far as top 10 most unlucky shooter with Victor Arvidsson at the time. So it wasn't Ryan Johansson who was unlucky <laughs> and not producing. It was Matt Duchesne who just wasn't getting the goals and the assists to go with how well he was playing. You know what I mean? Like, so it's very interesting I think you know, idea, like throwing the two of them or losing one of them. But I don't think it would be a massive blow to the team.
1: You know, to your point, sometimes it's more than just statistics. Sometimes the GM happens to have a hard-on for a particular player, and he's a particular fit for the organization or the GM. So something similar that happens during um, draft lottery time. Occasionally, you'll have like the Detroit Red Wings who are picking, say, fourth. Well, they have an order of players and who they're expected to pick in that order. Well, rather than Detroit pick the fourth best player, they might jump down to the fifth or sixth best player based on the spot that they want filled. Rather than take a winger and need a center, they'll skip down to the center and save themselves the time and trouble of having to trade for them. So it's based on fit of the organization. So as the Seattle comes out, they might have a situation where they might need a heavy hitting, uh, whoever, Duchesne or whatnot, that just so happens to fit in their organization based on their unique wants and desires at the time.
0: Real quick on Detroit, while you were talking, I looked it up. Your team for this coming up draft has 12 draft picks. (laughs) They got so many. Yeah, it better be a good draft class. (laughs) uh, Honestly, I think next
2: year's is going to be better than this year. I was like for your sake, it's kind of unfortunate that like most of them were not twenty twenty two, but uh, boy, twenty twenty one is looking really good. So we'll see. Hopefully, they got some good talent. That's all. If I your say. boys
0: can't rebuild <laughs> with that many draft picks, they might as well just leave Little Caesars Arena.
1: Well, yeah, you know, we just traded Anthony Mantha, and I'll say a lot of. A lot of Red Wings players didn't want to see him go because but, he brings man. a certain uh, something to the arena that that watchability factor. But no, if you he- ask a 100 Detroit uh, fans how the trade went, everybody says Detroit got that trade. Yeah, he
2: brings people to the arena, but he's also bringing in yeah. them. He trafics,
1: brought in let me uh, tell Stevie Irishman, got a great return for him. So that's actually looking good for the organization as well going forward.
0: And also, just because I like asking, do you think it will ever eventually see the Preds and the uh, Red Wings get back in the same division?
1: I would love it. I mean, yeah. We're in it currently, so I would I would like it. Old rivalries, that's the way to go.
0: So you really enjoyed seeing them play this year back and forth? Yes, for sure.
1: It's M- been love yeah, it. Yeah, it's been awesome. But the like, problem is they redesigned the divisions for Detroit specifically, because of their travel schedule, was like significantly longer than everybody else's. So I envision there they're going to go back to it once this is done.
0: Well, with the Kraken coming in, we're going to have uh, Arizona's oh. going to yeah, jump we'll, into the we'll
1: Central. See, I don't yeah. know the, with see, Seattle they've, coming. In. They've
2: talked about it because they like this format better. Because w- dealing basically Chicago out of our Chicago, um, Colorado out of our division really helped Nashville and like Detroit. You know, like it, there's a lot. There's a lot of travel time if you think about it. Yeah. Like so when Detroit left, like going to Colorado was a big portion of that travel time for them. Well, Colorado's technically not in the league right now. Are they going to re kind of align that to that area? If so, hey, I would love to welcome Detroit back. That would be awesome. Like yeah. I, I mean,
0: I know that they're going to probably come back to the regular divisions for next season, but I kind of hope they at least keep the idea of we're going to play two or three game sets. Yeah. And then go somewhere else?
1: I think, yeah, that's been, uh, it's only based on convenience this year. But I think everybody likes it. The players travel less, uh, you know, playing two or three games back to back. They they travel less. They get to play the same, see the same teams more often. I mean, it's It's, it's, it's built up a bunch of angst.
2: And like you said, there's been a lot more fights this year. Yeah. Um, it's definitely been more fun to watch. And obviously, having the compressed schedule, not going to lie. It's been pretty nice this year because, like, there's hockey like
1: every, every night. Every I tell you day. what, I get mad because on the weekends w- the the scheduling is all off. I always go to sleep watching hockey every night, except on Saturday and Sunday because the game schedule is off. They like to play those early brunch and afternoon games on the weekend. That makes me mad. But yeah, that's some of the best times to watch games. Yeah, well, I like my late night uh, sharks and coyotes games, but uh, yeah, but like I said, hockey every day. I definitely cannot complain.
2: Yeah, it's it's been a great schedule. I'm not gonna lie. I, For the fans, anyways, I'm sure the wear and tear obviously has taken toll on the players because there's been record amounts of injury this year, so they will definitely have to scale back um, once everything does get back to normal. Hey, speaking of getting back to normal, though, Preds have announced that we're now at 33% capacity, too, as the arenas, so they are now scaling up. So I am super excited about that. They are even saying, too, the Blackhawks game, it felt like more like a playoff atmosphere because they had... 33% there, and it was really like the crowd was really into it. So, like, the bench was just
0: pumped. No like, more, no more pumping that uh, crowd noise in. Yeah.
2: No, it's, it, it's one of those it's so nice to see everything starting to get a little bit back to normal. I cannot wait. I, the first, let me tell you, first game at 100% capacity, I am there because, like, I got to be back in that building with 100% again. Like, it's just one of those things. Like, it's, it's nice that we're getting fans in, but it's just not the same. As you know, I mean, we've, we've experienced some crazy atmospheres, Kyle. Uh, some of my best sure, memories of yeah, hockey are attending yeah. games with you, Daniel. Yeah, uh, I would hope so. Um, but that said, um, those cup runs and whatnot, like it, it's just one of those things you miss it so much, like being there with, all your friends, all like arm in arm, you know, like there's no, there's no distancing like at all. There's no social distancing. I mean, like it was just everybody really like hugging strangers after 17,000
0: of your best friends all of a sudden.
2: Yeah. It's just, it's one of those things that it's nice to see at 33%. Hopefully I I'm assuming that maybe by the playoffs, there might be another bump increase because all the numbers are looking good. So that said, nice to see everything getting back to
0: kind of normal and uh, super excited for that. So Matt, Getting ready to close the episode up. You got any stats for us today?
1: Well, Kyle, the only thing I would like to mention with Patty Marlowe passing my boy Gordy Howe on the all time games list with seventeen hundred and sixty eight games. So Patrick Marlowe has been playing in AHL for twenty four years, which is quite a task. Most players don't make it past twenty. So twenty four seems like a big deal. But just to give you one more little bump to my Gordy Howe guy, Gordy Howe played thirty five years professional hockey. He played 26 in the NHL, but he played an additional few years with uh, the WHA and, and uh, what have you. So it's the USL, or, yeah,
2: the precursor to the NHL. Yeah. But that said, though, like, isn't it crazy that Patrick was able to surpass it in 24 seasons? Yeah, so that tells me, yeah. he's been, that's he, that he's been healthy that players much.
1: Players and players, uh, they're playing more games now than they did back in Gordy's yeah, day. But just the fact that Gordy Howe played 35 years professional hockey, like I saw a picture the other day of Gordy Howe. He was facing off. He was like. 51 or 52 years old at the time against Wayne Gretzky, a young 18 year old who just got drafted in the league. Uh, Of course, Gordie Howe didn't have his hat, you know, didn't have a helmet. And then uh, in the young kids coming in, Gretzky had a hat. So uh, that was pretty interesting to see. So one last bump to my man, Gordie Howe. It's good to see him tacked off the list, though. Patrick Marlowe couldn't happen to a better guy. Daniel, we talked about it briefly, but what games do we got coming up?
2: Man, they're all important. Once again, we have two two more against Chicago this week two against Florida the week after and then you have Dallas Columbus Columbus and then to finalize the season out two against Carolina so eat your Wheaties because all I can say
0: is like literally it's going to come down to the wire here and guys that's the show for today we hope you enjoyed it if you'd like to catch more of our episodes you can find us on Music City Gold on iTunes or on PenaltyBoxRadio.com and until next time we will see you on the ice You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at C Dan Drum, and
1: Matt at MattBain31.
0: Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.